0: Chapter 15, Book of Samuel. Chapter 14 was the war against the Philistines. From an objective standpoint, Israel wins that battle. At the end of chapter 14, it turns out that Jonathan, who has been operating alone, he fights without even telling his father, he walks into a forest of honey. A forest where there could be literally honey or very sweet things. And he doesn't know, because he's separated from his father and from the troops, he fights alone, that Saul has imposed an oath under the threat of death. No one is permitted to eat until the Philistines are defeated. And Jonathan dips his staff into the honey and tastes it. Someone sees Jonathan in the previous chapter and says, What are you doing? Your father imposed an oath and said, Cursed is anybody who eats. And Jonathan's response is, My father has troubled the land. My father has betrayed the land. Look how my eyes shine when I eat, says Jonathan. If Israel had only eaten, we would have had even a greater victory against the Philistines. That's part of Jonathan and Saul have two different ways of operating in the world. Jonathan believes you act, you fight, you act courageously, you take risks, and if you're on the right side, perhaps God will be with you. And if God is with you, don't worry about the sides of your army. That's Jonathan's thinking. And Saul has a very different way of operating. But when God doesn't talk to Saul in chapter 14, Saul assumes something's gone wrong, and there's a, a lottery, and the lot falls upon st- Jonathan, we can't get into the details of this right now, but Saul says to Jonathan, what have you done? And Jonathan says at the end of the previous chapter, I have eaten, I violated your oath, put me to death. And Saul says, I have no choice, I have to put you to death. But the people say no. How could you put Jonathan to death? Jonathan is the one who was responsible for the great victory. So the people saved Jonathan and he did not die. Verse 45. But that, once again, puts into sharp contrast the difference between Saul and Jonathan. It also says a lot about Saul's thinking. Saul believes that you need some kind of a ritual, some kind of a device to connect you to God. He was abandoned by his, his rebbe, his teacher. Left him, abandoned him, and told him he will fail. And Saul believed, he was, that he was taught by Samuel, you have to connect to God in order to be victorious. But he doesn't know how to connect to God. Jonathan knows how to connect to God, but Saul does not know. So the problems of Saul in the previous chapter Can be laid at the feet of his teacher, at the feet of Samuel, who teaches him one thing, but then abandons him, and Saul can't figure it out. That's chapter 14. And now in chapter 15, Samuel speaks to Saul again. God has sent me to anoint you as king. Now, obey the word of God. And Samuel has been communicated to by God, and God has said the following: Hashem Thus says the God, Lord of hosts. Asher asher mitzrayim. God says, I remembered what the Amalekites did to Israel when Israel left the land of Egypt. This is in chapter 17 of Exodus. And now, destroy Amalek, have no mercy. But kill like men and women, infants, sucklings, oxen, sheep camels, and asses. This is the command that's given to Saul. I'm not going to enter now into what the present-day reader might think of this command, but this is the command. We recall that Amalek is singled out in the Bible as God's enemy, not just Israel's enemy, but a war of God against Amalek in every generation, variously understood, but Amalek represents evil the rooting out of evil, and this is Saul's charge to destroy Amalek. In this very famous chapter, we know that Saul, as God sees it, and as Samuel sees it, fails to carry out this directive. I say in this chapter, Saul fails to carry out the directive, because what is very striking is the end of the previous chapter. At the end of chapter 14, remarkably, this is a short biography of Saul, beginning in verse 47 of the previous chapter. Saul secured the kingship over Israel, and he fought all around against all his enemies Moab, Ammon, Edom, Machetzova, Plishtim, all these different nations, all the nations about. Every place he turned, he worsted them, he did damage to them. And then the next verse, verse 48, He was valiant. He defeated Amalek. He saved Israel from those who were plundering it. So in verse 48, it singles out this book. Singles out Saul's defeat of Amalek. It's interesting that the previous verse mentions all kinds of other nations that he fought Saviv. We recall the verse in Deuteronomy chapter 25, that after says the Torah, At the end of Deuteronomy 25, when God gives you respite from all the nations Saviv around you, then, then you fight Amalek. And that's what Saul does over here. So the perspective of chapter 14, if we had only chapter 14, we would say Saul defeats Amalek. And in fact, of course, he does defeat Amalek. It is true that in this chapter, he does not carry out the command as given him. He spares the best of the animals. That is true. He initially spares the king of Amalek as well. Whether he intended to spare him for a long time or intended to kill him afterwards is not clear. But he doesn't carry out some of the details of the command. But from an objective standpoint, he defeats Amalek very handily. So we have two different perspectives in the same book, in chapter 14 and chapter 15, and they're both true. One is the objective reality. Saul wins every battle. That's the objective reality of 14. In 15, it's a different perspective. It's looking at Saul, the person, Saul's understanding of himself, of kingship, his connection to God, his connection to prophecy. And there in chapter 15 is a condemnation to the extent that at the end of this chapter Saul has actually removed as king. He still is the king, but he is told in no uncertain terms that God has torn away the kingship from Saul. So what what is actually the mistake that Saul makes in chapter 15? What is the crime of Saul? So what's interesting that the chapter, chapter fifteen, spends not too much time upon what Saul actually did wrong. What Saul does wrong is described in verse number nine Vlo <speaking in Hebrew> Saul and the troops spared Agag. He's the king of Amalek. The best of the sheep, the oxen, the second-born, the lambs, all else that was of value, they did not destroy them. They destroyed only what was cheap and worthless. So they spared the best of the animals, and perhaps the best of the people. They spared the king, Saul and the people. And then Samuel comes out to the battlefield, and Saul says. Blessed are you to God, I have fulfilled the word of God. Oh, really? What's all that noise in the background? Oh, and then Saul says, the people. The people spared the animals, the best ones, and then he adds, to bring sacrifices to God. Now, that is not verified by the initial verse. It says nothing about sacrifices, and it says Saul and the people. In other words, what Saul has done over here is make excuses The excuse is that, first of all, I really didn't do it. The sparing was the people. And when it comes to the ones they did destroy, but we destroyed the others. So when it comes to the sparing, he blames the people. When it comes to the destruction, to the proscribing, we did it. And then he says, when Samuel says, but that wasn't what you're supposed to do. What do you mean the people did it? You're the king so why didn't you listen obey the word of God and Saul says I did shamati I did go on the right path the people took it to bring sacrifices and Samuel says sacrifice is not important important is obedience to obey to accept not the sacrifice So what would appear over here in the story of Saul is that it reminds us actually of the first sin, the story of the garden of Eden, eating that which is forbidden to you. Adam was told, you can have all the fruit of the trees, but this one tree, the tree of knowledge, that you can't eat. But he partakes of that. First, his wife is coaxed by the snake, and she gives him, and he eats and God says to Adam, where are you? I'm naked. I'm hiding. Who told you you're naked? Did you eat of that fruit? The woman you put by my side, she, she gave it to me. The woman and you put by my side. So this, the primal sin is not just the sin of eating the forbidden fruit, but the primal sin is equally, if not more, denying responsibility. That's what gets Adam banished from, <laughs> from the Garden of Eden. And the same is true of Saul. The focus of chapter 15 is not so much the taking what is forbidden. But the primary focus is blaming the other. And in this particular case, as Samuel says very well, what do you mean to blame them? You're the king. Your very excuse is the condemnation. The people did it, but you're in charge of the people. So here, there's a double problem. Evading responsibility, but evading responsibility in such a way that demonstrates you don't understand what it means to be king in the first place. That's the perspective of chapter 15. That's the great failure of Saul, which results in the kingship being torn from Saul. But the book includes chapter 14. The other perspective. From the objective perspective, he did defeat Amalek. Vayas chayu. Waar jag